Okay, now, Darlene, my favorite co-host and partner on God Shots. I'd love to hear about your recent God Shots and what's going on in the world for you and how you're feeling about everything. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. It's um, The weather's changing in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and so we're down in the 40s tonight, which is chilly. Um, oh, wow. But, you know, it's we had a beautiful summer, beautiful summer, so it, it's all good. And so we get the seasons. Our trees are changing, too. Oh, so beautiful. So get, yeah, so we get to see all the beauty, all the beauty of God. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I recently did have a God shot on Thursday night that was real exciting. Um, I do, I do, a, I get God shots all the time, but this one was really cool. Like I do um, Bible studies at my house and I haven't had one since March due to um, COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we would finally get back together. And um, it's taken about 60 days to be thinking about that and, and make that commitment to Thursday nights and doing it. and. Um, the really interesting thing is when I finally decided to do October 1st, um, which was this past Thursday, it felt right. And I called up all the, you know, sent texts to all the girls. And so usually 10 or 12 people come. And when they were all here, it had dawned on me a little bit earlier. And I thought, my goodness, we started this Bible study for my sister-in-law who passed away at the age of 35 with um, stage four metastatic breast CA. Very, very tragic. And um, we had started the Bible study basically for her um, because we didn't know what to do in the community. So we just decided to get together and pray and read the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so when we restarted the Bible study on Thursday night, unbeknownst to me, because that was eight years ago, and unbeknownst to me, I kind of like lost track of time. It was her birthday. And so when I realized that it was her birthday and when we were restarting that Bible study, all of us had cold chills because it was just so like she was so present and mm -hmm. so wanted us to do that. You know, like it was almost like, yay, we're getting together again. And oh um, yeah, yeah. So that's my most recent one. Um, oh, how beautiful. God, it's beautiful. Yeah. God yeah. bless your, your sister-in-law. That's too young to go. Oh my God. But see what a great coincidence. That wasn't a coincidence. It was God, God's way of remaining anonymous. Yes, I believe that. I believe that. And so what about you? Any exciting God shots for you? I have so many in my, in my book that I want to read to you. Yes, last week I had a whole bunch and I wrote them all down. And now let me go gather my book and find them. But what was the most important one? Oh, I was on a meeting and I had just for some bizarre reason, I tuned into an, a morning meeting in New Zealand. There's these Zoom meetings, right? Recovery meetings. And I... I not, not usually don't usually go to that meeting. And in fact, I lost the password to the other meeting. So I'm on there and it was so beautiful. There was just, and some meetings, they're just buzzing with exactly what you need to hear and everything it resonated with me deep in my heart. And I was like feeling that wonderful hope. And then I heard a familiar voice and I thought, Lynette, a woman said in, in a very, in a very distinctive voice, she talked about how she just came back. She'd slipped for many years and she was only had a year now. And I thought she had died two years ago. This was my sponsee. Two years ago, when I moved out to Palmdale to take care of my mother, I had this woman. She's a military veteran. She's a, a disabled cop. She's a female police officer. And she came up to me at a meeting. 
this beautiful blonde woman. And she said, will you sponsor me? And I said, yes. So we started working together for about a year. And I remember she went through some real trials. She was really disabled. And I went to her house way out in Rosamond and brought food one day and helped get her car out of Hawk and all this stuff because she was going through some trials. And then we kept talking on the phone. And one day I never heard from her again. Her phone number was disconnected. I couldn't find her. I went to the house. Somebody else was living there. And I thought she died. And then I heard her voice at the meeting. It was like, oh, I was so, so happy. It was one of those absolute little miracles I needed, you know, to bring hope back. So I'm going to reconnect with her soon. My sponsor knows who she is. So isn't that cool? She didn't, I I could have, for about a year and a half, I thought she had died. The whole year after I left the area, I couldn't find her. I couldn't reach her, but she's okay. So. That's amazing. And so now you guys have reconnected. But on an international meeting all over the world, there are people on there from Iceland, Norway, Brazil, France. It's, it's this wonderful, the connection of God, of God is in the hearts of everyone. It's as if we all speak yeah. the same language, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, a guy in Nigeria, <coughs> everyone, the same exact, it's, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? You know what, it really is. And that reminds me, I went to a meeting on Monday because one of my sponsees um, celebrated a year. Yeah. And they were going to be leading at this meeting. And so, you know, so a group of us women go to support her and she tells her story. It was an amazing story, right? Mm. Well, the most amazing part was this. There was a man in that meeting and he's been around for probably 15 or 16 years. So I knew Jim. And after the meeting, like she had told her story and where she grew up and all of this stuff. And she, we get, so all of us women get back in the car to come home. And she goes, you're not going to believe it. She goes, Jim came up to me after the meeting. And she goes, he's my cousin. I'm like, what? And so they reconnected all of these years later, hundreds of miles away from where they grew up. That, oh my God. And, 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 you know, so I call him up on the phone because I knew him. I'm like, cousin Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh it's my God, such I love small, that. You know, it's such a small world, you know, and okay. just, just the, just, you know, you just never know who you're coming in contact with and how that's working, but God does, you know? I can't believe you said this because I, I, I was trying to remember the God shots that happened last week and time goes by so fast. So many things happen in a day. I totally forgot. And I was marveling at this and I posted on Twitter and everywhere about these two God shots. And um, so, so listen to this. I was up late at night doing what I was, shouldn't be doing social media. I should not have been doing it. And I was guilty over it. And I was punishing myself going, get off the internet. And actually it wasn't good because I was arguing with somebody about politics, which is the worst thing I don't want to do. And I was just about to respond to some guy I thought was being a jerk. And I looked at his name. And instead of writing, in, we love the uh, phrase restraint of tongue and pen. You know that one? Restraint of tongue and pen. Don't do anything too reactive. Don't react. Respond with grace. And instead of reacting, for some bizarre reason, with this one guy, I looked at his name. I clicked on his name. He wasn't a friend of mine on Facebook. And I looked at his feed, and I saw a, a beautiful woman and a guy in an old photograph from the 90s or something. And they were standing in the living room and underneath it said, 25 years ago, I lost my sister. 
Yeah, this is this is going to be really weird. And I, I wrote under him, 25 years ago, I lost my baby brother. And underneath that comment of mine, the woman, the sister of the guy I was writing to said, Lydia, I'm Vicky's sister. My brother, his girlfriend had died in a head-on collision, drunk driving, and killed an entire family on, his way to my, on her way to my brother's funeral. He had died a month earlier. We had a memorial service for him a month later. This was the sister, and I've been looking for them for years. I didn't know that Vicki Cunningham's sister was the girl, Vanessa, that was sitting there writing to me right there. there. It was amazing. Wow. So through, through something bad that I was about to do <laughs> and yeah. stop myself, if I hadn't been up that late doing that, I wouldn't have discovered these people that are now my, my family, more or less. So, you're, so they know you explained to them who you were and oh they know me they said yeah we grieved together wow. they we all were together after paul died and vicky died and we oh my god i haven't seen them in years it was 25 years ago wow see how amazing that see is amazing that is amazing and I, and I do believe, I mean, I, I listen to people's stories and the God shots that you hear and the things that happened to me personally. I think that, that the universe, God, higher power, whatever you call that entity, you know, because it's many names. Yeah. But I think that there's a very gracious ability. And you know, when you read Jonah, if you read the book of Jonah in the Bible, in chapter three, verse one. It said, God gave Jonah a second chance. And God is, a, God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. At least that's how it's been for me, you know, because oh, I love life, that. Yeah. And my life has not always been pristine. I do things, I say yeah. things, but I regret, too. you know, and um, I'm trying to be, like you said, be very cautious with pen and paper in <laughs> <laughs> your tongue. Yeah. So. It's very cool. But yes, I screw so it up though. I don't know why I react sometimes to people when I know better. And then I have to go delete the comment. And I'm like, why am I doing this? The minute I, I center myself first with prayer and I go and I realize we're all connected. We're all, and every single human being wants the same thing. Right. We all want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want food, shelter. We want family. We want love. A lot of people are lonely right now and they're suffering yes. from depression. Oh. Yes. And I have no right to complain about anything, you know, yeah. but I find myself kvetching about everything at times. <laughs> like, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've obviously through, through this period of COVID, coronavirus, all of this that's happened to our world, I, I just didn't even... I, I, I guess I didn't even understand the magnitude of people that have lost jobs and lost their livelihood and had to close restaurants and do things um and i kept my job throughout throughout this entire yeah. period and one day when i was complaining it was just like god kind of brought it to my mind you need to be grateful you need to be grateful because you are living in a place where some people aren't and you have a job and you can pay your bills and and it really kind of stopped me in my tracks because wow. I tend to do that too. I tend to be negative. I tend to look at the negative part instead of the positive part. And maybe that's humanness. Maybe that, maybe that's just the humanness in us. Um, yeah. They say human instinct is the hunter gatherer. We're always, that's why news is usually bad news because mm -hmm. we want to be alerted to what to avoid. 
it's the old animal instinct, but we're above animals. We have been given this other gene for, for, for spirituality, for God, for meaning, yes. man's yes. search for meaning. And um, we're, we're above the animal level. We're supposed to be aspiring to something more than just gut level reaction, you know? Mm -hmm. But we yeah. seem right now, I, I don't know how many people are, there's so many people I pray for every day for them that are going through unfathomable losses. And imagine having your huge bu your business, you've been working your whole life to create, and now it's stopped. How are you going to get that business back again? I mean, what do you think the meaning of all this is? Well, first, I mean, my personal thought is, is there, there's been a good and bad. And with everything I believe in life, there's the yin and the yang, the, the good yeah. and the bad. And I think that one of the things that it did that was good was it slowed us down. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost like, you know, there was a joke going around and, and it might not be a real joke, but um, there, there, was a, there was a joke going around at the beginning of this and said, God got so mad at all of us, he sent us to our room. <laughs> I love and, that. I, I, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's kind of true because we just all became very isolated, you know? But he gave time for reflection. I have friends that are, are younger than I that have families and they said, you know, all the activities stopped and we actually got to reconnect and have dinners together again and play games together again. And so some of these people are saying it's been very healthy for us, for our marriage, for our family. And That's so good. I think that part of it was to slow us down to, to so see things. Um, I, I think that, you know what, we've seen some ugly come out but we've also seen some very loving stuff come out too. So I think- Oh, I love that you said that. And mm -hmm. if you focus on the love, the love becomes all you see in your viewfinder. The more you focus on the good and, and the gratitude. Gratitude is the quickest way to get out of depression. It's the quickest, the most sincere form of prayer is thank you. It yes. really is. What yes. you, and, and a heart full of generosity and, and love can't, doesn't have room in there for all the other stuff. I knew of a woman who prayed, who every day that she was told to think of five things to be grateful for and add a new one every day. She had cancer. By the end of 90 days, her cancer was gone. She had drowned out all the other voices. The voice That's of, fabulous. I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that disease, dis-ease, disease is, is emotional in nature. And some people, I, I heard of someone who had back pain and they looked back too much. They regretted and they carried so many burdens of so much shame and guilt. And the minute they, they, they came to that consciousness, their back pain went away. So you never know. You don't. And what, what, a great, what a great thing to say. Like they have back pain because they were always looking backwards. I think that's really interesting to think about that, you know? Because yeah. a, a lot of times, I mean, as you know, and, and as I've told the viewers in the last podcast that we did, I'm a nurse practitioner by trade. So, you know, I look at people holistically and you have a mind, a body, and a spirit. And just like they tell us in the recovery rooms, it's a spiritual malady. You know, we're missing, yeah. we're missing a spiritual piece of us and we're trying to fill it with everything, whether it be alcohol, drugs, jewelry, sex. shopping, sex. Yeah, whatever. We're trying to fill that hole and it, it's a God-sized hole. So you can try to fill it with whatever you want and it's not going to work out very well until you get to the point where you start recognizing that these aren't coincidences. There's more to it. It's like a God incident. Exactly. Something, something has stepped in that's um, bigger than all of us. 
you know, and, and it's just so, um, I, I love to hear those stories and people have them every day. Like somebody, um, you know, their car breaks down. Well, here, here's a good one. Here's a good okay. shot that I had years ago. It just, so it just came into my brain. So I was working um, in Pittsburgh at the time. It's probably been about 20 years ago. And um, I, was coming, I was coming home from Pittsburgh, which is kind of a desolate drive. It's like a 30 minute kind of desolate drive. There's no street lights, although you're on a four lane highway. Mm -hmm. And it was midnight because I was coming off of the 311 shift. Mm -hmm. And as I'm driving, I see, I see like these people on the side of the road. I could because it was very dark, so you could see figures, but there was no lights, and I could just see there were people. Mm -hmm. And then probably about I don't know 20, 30 more feet up the road, there was a car pulled off that had its flashers on. Now I've never done this in my life. I, I just pulled my car right over on the berm of the road. I got out of my car, and I said. I'm a nurse. Are you in trouble? Now, yeah. And I mean, to be a female alone by myself in Pittsburgh, wow. right? And I hear Lovely. a voice say, yes, please help us. And so I went back to the scene. I didn't even think about having mace or gun or anything like that. I just went back and here what had happened was there had been a concert. We have a big pavilion around here that we have concert in. And this young man who was like 19 years old was really inebriated and he was out walking on that interstate got hit by a car the car that hit him obviously didn't know that they hit him and the people that witnessed him being hit stopped and so he was he had a compounded fracture leg um everybody at the scene was inebriated so it was kind of like they didn't want to be there drinking and driving they didn't want to leave this kid on the side of the road so i showed up and I took over and was able to, I had, I had supplies in my car to be able to help, got 911 called oh God, God. and um, yeah. And he was taken, he was life flighted for surgery. I mean, it was a pretty serious accident. And the whole time I went, once I told him I was a nurse and that I was going to help him, he, he just kept saying, nurse, please don't let me die. Nurse, oh please don't die. And I was holding him. <laughs> and when I came home, my dad, I called my mom and dad because they were worried because I was like an hour later than I should have been. And they called me and I said, oh, I was out on 2230. I said, there was this accident and I waited for them to get this, this kid. My dad's like, you stopped in the dark at midnight by yourself? And, and I said, you know, I never even thought about that until just this very minute. But to me, that's how God works. He'll just put you right there right now and protect you and get and, and have you where you need to be. Oh my God. God bless you. Thank God you were there. That is so, yeah. that's exactly it. We're moved. We feel mm -hmm. there. You hear the voice saying, go turn left, turn right. You always hear that voice behind yeah. you or in you. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and you hear it more clearly when you're clear, when you're, when you're focused on good, when you're not in fear and fear yeah. is off, often false evidence appearing real F E A R. It's also God can help us get out of the fear as well we're not always able to do that by ourselves. It's really in incredible how you cannot do it by yourself. I tr you, can you can't, even if you don't believe in God, it's like we're a drop of water in the ocean. The ocean is still all around you. If God is the ocean, we're the drops of water. Yeah. There's no denying it. You can not believe in it, but it's, he's still gonna help you. Right. I think Absolutely. the minute you reach out and you, yeah. 
Absolutely. Oh my God, that's amazing that, that you did that. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you yeah. for being there. Yeah. So and being that, a nurse. Um, yes. Yeah. You must have a lot of stories being a nurse. A nurse got shot. That must be a, that, you know, your whole. There, there's all kinds. There's all kinds of people that you meet and, and things that, that happen. And, you know, God puts you exactly where he wants to put you. When, when I first became a practitioner and I was seeing patients, I thought, how am I going to do this being in recovery? You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want anybody to know. I'm thinking they're going to think I'm not good enough because I'm an alcoholic. You know what right. I'm saying? And then I found out just the opposite. Once I, once I started seeing patients, it was like the people with problems with drugs and alcohol were gravitating towards me oh, <laughs> and I could great. speak their language and they had no idea yeah. how it was happening. You know? And so I was actually able to, um, Oh, here's a good one. Here's a great God shot. So okay. I, this, this, this husband and wife comes in and um, he was, I, I was awful, Lydia. He was all hunched over. He was walking with a cane. At the time he was 60 years old. And I looked at his chart and it, I don't know, it was probably like this thick. I mean, it was thick because he had been through, he was drug seeking with so many different doctors and so many different pain elements and this mm -hmm. and that. And so the preceptor that I was working under at the time, my collaborating physician, he just looked at me and he put his hand up and he goes, you deal with him because I've had enough. He only wants drugs and he's not getting any out of this office. So do whatever you got to do. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was drug seeking. And um, I had maybe at that point in time, I don't know, two, three years sober, not a lot, you know what I mean? But, but enough. Yeah. And so, so I'm listening to his whole story about why he wanted pain medication and what was wrong with his back and how this had all happened, et cetera, et cetera. And his wife was just sitting there quietly with tears streaming down her face because she's living with this, right? And when you live with somebody that's, that's actively using, it can be a very difficult life, extremely difficult life. Oh, God. And so she was crying and she's just like, I don't know how to get him help. And before he left, he's like, well, I need drugs. And I said, well, you know what? I said, I'm not gonna give you any drugs. I said, but what, but what I will give you is a phone number. So I gave him the phone number to the local intergroup for where I attend meetings and where I live. And probably about a month later, I'm in this meeting and this guy walks in. Now I'm panicked because like, here I am a practitioner. Here's this guy. I just took care of him thinking, this is not going to go well. Right? Mm -hmm. So nothing happens. Doesn't say a word. Nobody says a word. Lydia. One year, one year later, he looked, he stayed sober. He got to, <laughs> he looked at me, we were in a meeting. He looked at me and he went, oh, and he's like, it's you. I said, what's me? He goes, you were the person that took care of me to get me into rehab and gave me this number. I said, yeah, but I kind of liked to, to remain anonymous. And he's like, well, isn't it interesting that God kept you anonymous from me for one year? <laughs> and so he had enough time that he knew not to go out and talk about me. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. So Every it's daily. I mean, God's shots can just be daily. You know, I get chills twice talking to you just now. Chills covering my whole body. That's oh, my God. I love it. I, I love I, the magic of this. This is what I, I love. The, the excitement of it. The fact that we are so excited about it. It you know, it's like a magical feeling. You know what? It is magical. And, and I just say, you know what? For people, 
for people that are just learning about God or, or, or they don't know if they believe or don't believe or don't know what they believe in, I just say that when you really find the spiritual realm, it's like a magic carpet ride. Like you it just you get on <laughs> and you hold on and you just don't know where you're going. And sometimes you'll turn upside down and it's, it's scary. You know, I you feel like I'm rocketed to the fourth dimension. I call it rocketed to the fourth yeah. dimension. That's every single day since I, when I got sober 26 years ago, um, yes. September 11th, <laughs> yeah, September 11th, I feel like my life has been a magic carpet ride and I'm in rocketed to the fourth dimension. I've not had a moment where I didn't delight in something, whereas before I didn't have any way to figure out life at all. I didn't, gosh, I guess I would have gone to suicide. To be honest with you, I don't think I had any tools because from the upbringing I had, and I love my mother, God bless her, but it was like being raised by wolves. People who, my father was very distant and European and far away and he went to, to Europe and he died when I was 21, but he, he was Russian and grew up in Shanghai and played violin and I, he was exotic and interesting, but I don't remember ever talking to him very much. And he was always working, you know, and my mother was, abusive but so we kind of raised ourselves and without this amazing magical car literally i feel like i've been given the key to the universe yeah by my surrender by the grace of surrender to a power greater than myself that i call god because and in in the program a lot of people who are atheists say good orderly direction god or group of drugs group of drugs or the great outdoors you know you can make outdoors be two different words yeah but i had a good friend in the program uh he was 37 years sober a cop and he was writing all these great he was also a screenwriter and he did not believe in god at all and to the day he died he couldn't believe in god but he said kept saying this is the only program this is the only disease that can be cured with storytelling and i said that is god right there it's the love in the rooms sharing our stories sharing our pain Share your pain, you cut it in half. Share your joy, you double it. But it's also the, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. Yeah. And he, he busted a Coke dealer 39 years earlier in the back alleys of LA. The Coke dealer went to prison and became the cop's sponsor later. Wow. And in AA, in the programs of recovery, in the 12-step program, the cop, his best friend was a nun, a priest, a Coke dealer, <laughs> and me. And we all had different versions of God as this hope and love, the force of love that can pick you up from the depths of despair and put you back to full life. And he, he had to admit that it worked. Whatever it was, he couldn't define it, but it worked. Right. And that can happen in just a millisecond. Exactly. I mean, and that, that's just the really, that's just the coolest part. The cool, and you know, I'll share a little story about my son. Um, when he was, he was 16 years old. And now back, back then, I, I was just coming to the end of my drinking career, if you will. So you know what, I thought I was always being a good mom, because I always cooked their meals, we always had money. Um, I was a single mother, I had three children, but I always got them to their games, I was part of their activities, you know, I did everything, you know, did their laundry, did everything that a mom I thought she should do, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. I it was okay. But I never, never thought about the fact that I was drinking all the time, right? And as my drinking escalated, I was being, I was being drunk more and more around my kids, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, and when it finally came to the end of my drinking person, because I, because I'm a new person now, it, it's like mm-hmm. I've changed completely. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much drinking every evening and that causes you to make bad decisions and say stupid things. And anyway, one of the things I had did to this little boy, he was 16 years old, was the fact that he wanted to go out and take the car one night. And I said, no. And the only reason I told him, no, he was a good kid. He didn't do drink or do drugs. I said no, because I thought, well, if he gets in an accident, here I am. I work at the hospital. If I have to go there and they see me drunk, that's a bad idea. So, God, you're kidding. No, so you can't go. Well, then he, so, you know, that really kind of hurt his feelings. He, he said to me the next morning that I was a drunk, which really hurt my feelings. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me because that was really painful. But where, but where, the, where the God shot came in or how God works is he took all of that ugliness, right? Mm-hmm. And my son lost his best friend probably within that 12-month period right there. To cancer. <gasps> oh, so my God. 16, he lost this boy. Well, they came to the hospital um, and got me and said, you need to go home. You know, this little boy died of this cancer and your son's very distraught. So I came home and he was laying on the bed crying and I kind of sit down and what do you say to a 16 year old that just loses somebody, right? And I just kind of touched his legs and he said to me, he goes, don't talk to me about God. And I said, no, I said, I'm not going to talk to you about God. I said, but please just don't quit believing. And he was crying and everything. And he looked at me and he said, I will always believe in God. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because you quit drinking. Oh my God. So we have no idea what our actions can do for others. You know, like I didn't know by me, because I had one year sober when that happened. And so, you know, between the period of me being really a pretty shitty mom and drinking all the time to being a sober mom was a period of about 12 months and that boy dies. And then my son said that. So I can never, we can never underestimate the power that we have to be an example for somebody. Oh my God. And yeah. Right. That is the most beautiful story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I do think about that. In a weird way, my son didn't have, um, he didn't ever see me drunk. And and in a weird way, I, I want him so badly to believe, but he's never seen me anything but, um, sober, except that the first six months of his life, I drove with him in the back, in the car seat and I was drunk and I went to Labor Day barbecues at strangers homes and ran into strangers houses I I would meet friends at a barbecue put the baby on the picnic table run into a stranger's kitchen whoever's hosting the barbecue look for booze and drink it out of the bottle in the freezer and stuff I mean I've heard other people do that it's not that unusual according to but you know I was really out of my mind and I would drive with him drunk in the car and you had a baby there By the grace of God, I got, you know, I, I got sober when he was six months old. So he's six months older than I am. But mine was such a catastrophic spiritual awakening. I call it catastrophic miracle happened. I had one of those white light experiences that was bizarre and so big. And I feel at times like there's, there's a famous book by a Buddhist called After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. Once you've had the spiritual awakening, you still have to live in the real world, do the laundry, pay your bills, and you feel like you're at times above it all, or you're walking on water at times, or you had that experience where you know that magic exists, God exists, something wonderful exists, 
it's not the fear and punishing God of, of certain religions, certain fundamentalist religions, but it's this beautiful love that really loves you, loves us. Yes. We're made in that, in the image of love, of divine love. And once you've had that, how do you fit into the world again? And I, I keep remembering, how could I ever forget those great experiences I had? Hundreds of God shots the first six years. Mm -hmm. I mean, hundreds. And, every, and I started to analyze, what's the state of mind I'm in when that happens? It's always when I'm surrendered. When I'm finally at my wit's end and I go, oh, I give up. I'm going to lean on you now. Show me the way. Or I've, I've, sometimes I'm beaten into submission. But usually it's when I'm in a really relaxed mood and I just started talking to God as my best friend. And then I see that the coincidence, all these beautiful things start to happen, synchronicities. Um, yeah. That's just the way I... I that's the way love, the force of love, God communicates with me is through coincidence and through hope and through exciting feelings inside and through, I mean, how do you feel it? Do you feel, do you feel a voice? Do you hear a voice or? I've heard voices. Mm -hmm. I, I have a twice, twice. Oh, that's right. Um, but I think I told you the last time, both times that I've heard the voice, what I believe is the voice of God, it has been a directive. And the first voice I heard was to go to A. And the second voice I heard was, I told you to quit, now quit. And that was referring oh. to smoking. <laughs> so oh, that's right. That's right. I never heard anything lovely like, oh, you're doing such a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always yeah. been a little like, get out of there, you know. But you wow. know, Lydia, I think this is exactly why we're talking right now. Because, right. you know, the whole time that I've had these God shots and I've done journaling and journaling and journaling, because at first I thought I was crazy. I'm like, how in the world, how is this happening? Like, I know things I shouldn't know or in places that just something, like I'm there for a reason, but I didn't have, have that plan. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Oh, good. So, oh, here's, here's a great God shot. So my old neighborhood, my son, my middle son bought my home in my old neighborhood, right? Where they, they all grew up at. Mm -hmm. And it was his birthday was coming up. And his wife had told me, we're doing a birthday party on Saturday. I said, okay, great. So I'm planning my life around the fact that I'm going to be at my son's birthday on Saturday. Well, then she calls me up on a Wednesday morning and says, well, I decided to have cake for him this afternoon at like five. I'm like, you did what? Because I mean, I have my whole day planned. I'm at work. I don't have a birthday gift. I'm like, what? And so she's like, yeah, today at five o'clock. Well, you don't tell your daughter-in-law you're not coming. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I, I, I rearranged my life to be at their house at five o'clock that evening. Right. Mm -hmm. I go, I do everything I need to do. I go over to the house and remember I lived there for 25 years. So I'm very familiar with the neighbors and neighborhood and everything. So I'm getting ready to leave. And one of the neighbors comes up to me because they know I'm a practitioner and they said, Hey, would you go check on Joe? And I'm like, sure. Joe lived two doors down, right? And Joe and Patty were good friends of mine. And I said, what's wrong with Joe? And they said, we don't know. He was cutting grass and said he's not feeling good. Well, at this age, I'm thinking cardiac, right? So I go down to their house. His wife wasn't there. It was just Tim. And I knock on the door and he comes and he has a towel wrapped around his neck. And I said, I said, hey, I said, um, they told me that I should come down here and check on you. I said, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I've cut my grass. I just don't feel real good. So I did his vital signs. I did a few things. And Lydia, everything was fine. Fine, fine, and fine. And then his wife comes home and she's like talking to me. 
I'm like, I don't know. I said, something just doesn't feel right to me. But I said, all those Bible signs are good. So two different times they said to me, he said to me, I'm good now. She's home. You can leave. Right. And I stayed and I talked. And then she says to me, she goes, he's going to be fine. I'll let him lay on the couch. You can go ahead and go. And out of my mouth, never, ever have I done this as a practitioner. I said, you know what? I'm not comfortable. Now, either we can go to the hospital and go to the emergency room, I said, or I'm going to call 911. Which way do you want to do it? I have never, ever done that. Oh, wow. And they looked at me and he was standing there and he was just fine. And, and they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, please, I said, I just think you really need to go to the ER. So they were like, okay, fine. So we get over to the ER and I knew the emergency room doctor and he's like, hey, Dar, what's up? I said, I don't know. I said, but, and we live in a small community. So we kind of like, no. And I said, something's not right with him. I said, but I can't put my finger on it. And so he checks his card. It runs a strip on him immediately for cardiac rhythm and all that. And everything checks out fine. And he looks at me and he's like, I think I'm going to do a CT scan real quick. Okay. So, so he takes him back for a CT scan. The next thing I know, immediately he comes back from that CT scan and I'm looking at his vital signs and I'm like, Oh my goodness, he's having an aneurysm. And the doctor right at that time comes running in and he starts shooting him with medicine and doing all kinds of different things. Life flight is on its way. He was in surgery within one hour of that time frame in Pittsburgh for this, this aneurysm. And the doctor looked at his, because his wife was like, what's happening? What's happening? Because they're whisking him out. They're giving him all these drugs. I said, just get his jewelry off of him. We've got to get him to Pittsburgh. He needs to have surgery immediately. And the, the emergency room physician looked at them and said, I don't know what instinct you had, but if he wasn't right here, right now, he would have died. And he is, he's living, he's fine, he's fine. He had to go through a year of intensive rehab and stuff, but he's, he's, he's perfect. And every time we see each other, he starts crying. And I said, but look at all the steps that God lined up. He changed my son's birthday party. He had me living there for 25 years. So I knew these people, the gut instinct just kicked in. And that to me is God. That's, and if you just totally. follow your instincts, you know, oh, and exactly. I, get I get passionate and that's like, okay. So I tell you that story and I keep talking, sorry, but that's how come I don't think that I'm unique. I don't think that this is unique. I think this is happening all over the world. And I think we need a platform. I think we need a platform to discuss this. Absolutely. Right? And especially for people who are so scared of is there, is there a noise? That I hear a funny rumbling sound. Maybe it's my microphone. Um, people that are so scared of the word God, and don't worry about it. Just good. Trust the instinct inside your heart that's, that's for love. The most magnanimous instinct. I remember talking to a woman who once said, I will never date again. I was hurt. My instinct is immediately I said to her, no, do the opposite. Expand your heart. Risk again. Because the other way is death. I know a lot of people who give up on love and then they start to shrink and they get smaller and their heart gets smaller. But every time I feel like I'm saying something that's contrary action or I do contrary action to what my old mortal mind belief would have, which is small and, and fear-based and self-conscious, and I'm thinking of others first, I get 
more magnanimous. I'm more generous. I'm more kind. I go out of my way. I think of people, oh, she must be hurting today. And I think of someone and they go, how'd you think of me? I was thinking of you. And it's, it's really fun. You can actually, the universe is elastic to our thought. If we keep our thoughts on love and good, which is the source of every, God is the source. Right. There is no opposing source. If you think about it, evil has no source. It doesn't have any light or warmth. Even in science, they say darkness is the absence of light. Warmth, right. I mean, cold is the absence of warmth. Um, there's no real source of, of evil, but we sure make it big and we, we make it big here. We worship so many diseases, you know, we kind of, we, we make them into gods and we make all of our defects of character into gods. And we really just have to diminish those. Withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect. And your enemies can be your worries and fears, mainly, wow, that's you know, awesome. but um, I, I've studied a lot of, um, I read the big book and then I read the 12 and 12 and then I read Emmett Fox and I went back to the Bible and it's all pretty much says the same thing. And there's all sorts of softer ways to do it, but you don't have to be afraid of the word God. And God shots is cool because whenever you have a magical synchronicity, try to try to record or remember what state of mind you're in when this happened. You know, it's it's when you're following your instincts for the highest good. When when you're following the highest thought, and the highest thoughts are usually the less selfish, more gentle, more loving. Don't you think? I do think, I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows right from wrong, but it's really hard in your own life to get out of depression when you are your worst enemy, when you're really beating up on yourself and you really need to love yourself and realize you're a child of God, you know, child of the universe. And sometimes I think that, um, that there's so many negative things that are happening or being discussed or talked about all over the place, that the only way to really counteract that or to give somebody a positive spin is to do something like God shots to talk about that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is our second podcast, but we're going to get yeah. this thing going full time. I'm excited um, about that. I know. I love your spontaneity. Thank you for, I was, I was excited to talk to you because to see what would come up. And it's kind of cool that you reminded me of two things I forgot about completely till you spoke of them. So we do need to keep reminding each other, not just us, everyone, um, to send in. Yeah, I think this would be really cool to get other people involved in it and talking with us too. And Absolutely. Share because it's just, um, when I do go out and I talk about it, like people, sometimes people call them different things. Like I've heard them say, God winks yeah. and, you know, different, different little terminologies for it. But, but when you start talking about it, I mean, a lot of people get on the train and it just starts going, you know, and you just get all these really cool things. Oh, and, good. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So let's get more people and let's go through our list. I have hundreds to share with you as well, but I don't want to repeat myself. I have some financial ones. Um, nice. A whole lot of career ones, but mainly, and, and, and just so much that we should keep looking out for them because they happen when we're in that state of surrender, when I'm not worrying and I'm not watching the news too much, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's kind of depressing right now. I think, you know, I know. with everything, but, and I don't have much time to watch it. So I'm okay with that, you know, Good. <laughs> and I appreciate you doing, I mean, I can see my darkness in this 
this because it's really dark in here right now and I don't know how to do the nice lighting and everything like you. <laughs> here, I have a silly lamp, a, a childish lamp like this. It's like a $29 lamp and I use a more yellow bulb and it just has a skin tone. And um, so we'll do that later. I'll, I'll, I'll show you guys how to, you guys. Anybody who wants to come on the show, but if you think of anyone who'd like to do the show, personalities. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling Dar. I like to call you Dar. Is that okay? Yeah. Or Dar? Yeah, what great. do you prefer? You can yeah. call me Lid. Um, but anyway, we're. If you think of anyone that would like to come on the show and that you would like to interview or talk to, bring them on, and okay. we can do a three-way call or, or together or. And I have a couple people too. I, I spoke to a guy earlier who said he has a lot of God shots and I've got to track him down. And there are other people in Nebraska, my little favorite grandmother, one of my adopted grandmothers, she's overcome cancer four times and she's 83 wow. and she's hanging in there. So blessings, yeah. God bless you. <laughs> that would be somebody really cool to talk to. Yes, yes. Very well, nice. you look beautiful. And even though you're in that ghostly light, it's kind of ethereal, I like it. We're like <laughs> contrasting a little. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, because you got to remember it's what time? Like 11 yeah. o'clock, 11 p.m. And I'm usually asleep like way before. <laughs> Me too. But thank you so much for staying up late and making my entire week happen happier. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, and you know what? I'm telling you, before the end of 2020, I hope to actually get to meet you face to face. Me Mask too. We will. <laughs> We we're, we're gonna do that for sure. We're gonna have this show as well. So we'll see what this is exciting. I'm really happy we did this tonight. Thank you, Darlene. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very and you look lovely. So whatever talk show you did before this, I'm sure it was really awesome. Oh, thank you. Sweet dreams. Go get some sleep and I'll talk to you tomorrow or the next day. Okay, thanks. Okay. Blessings. Bye bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you too.